Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, presented by Manscaped and part of the Fan Sided Network. I am Nick. Uh, I am joined by Ryan again. We got Monty back on the pod. We got Tyler joining us tonight. Amanda's still on vacation, but we're gonna party tonight. This is this is how we want it. No offense, Amanda, but we're we're gonna just shoot from the hip, talk more baseball. It's gonna be very similar to Monday's episode or Tuesday's episode. Uh, so we got a lot of topics to cover, a lot of Nats news, uh, some controversy down there in the South with uh, the the Braves and their fans, of course, and Shaq, of course, right in the middle of it because we wouldn't expect anything less. But before we get to all of that, uh, we'll start with Ryan. Ryan, how you doing tonight? I'm exhausted. Just put in the really, really just hard day of work, man. I mean. <laughs> It's just all these Braves fans can't trigger themselves. And there's nothing that makes me happier when I start pissing them off. And my entire timeline is just in shambles of Nats fans and Braves fans just having like full-blown discourse about it because they're all morons. Like there's a few good Braves fans. Most of them are morons. And I like calling them out. It's a great dandy time. Yeah. Um, and the, the one thing I will say is I hope you're not a deterrent for people seeking help. Um, and going to rehab because you might not be the most inspiring uh, figure in that regard. As it, it lasted all of like 20 minutes. <laughs> I to, be know, clear, I, to, to be clear, we're talking about trolling rehab. I just want to make sure. Yeah. That- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Important point to mention. Rehab. I, uh, I enlisted to the trolling center. <laughs> enlisted. Center <of> <laughs> Thank you service <laughs> i got drafted to rehab <laughs> and i think maybe maybe 20 minutes later i was back trolling again oh man i just trolling trolling worse than you've done in the, worse than you've done in a little while too like it wasn't it wasn't you know, even bad it, no it, it wasn't even bad though that's the thing people don't remember toxic jack <laughs> like toxic the, 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 the Nats suck for a month and people forget who Toxic Shack is. Like we might have to bring it back just so people remember. 
like how toxic quick, how quickly people people very forget. questionable things <laughs> <laughs> i've made some uh, some memes for talking about <laughs> I, I don't sleep well at night because of it <laughs> i like to text nick the idea and he's just like oh my god and i'm like i need it <laughs> and then like five minutes later i'll send it to him and <laughs> just i hear a cackle <laughs> i might look at like maybe i'm looking at it differently because i know who it is behind the toxic shack like talking to him and stuff so it's like maybe i'm looking at it as funny as opposed to like somebody who's just randomly seasoned is like oh my gosh and then get triggered yeah uh, i mean but that's part of the, the fun is seeing oh, yeah. the reaction I, obviously twitter is all about invoking a reaction that's what literally everything is whether it's that's... funny funny or you you get angry like in one way or another twitter is about evoking a reaction and ryan to his credit is just a master class at that some people call that's it what... trolling i call it a skill <laughs> Yeah, I've it been. Is a that's crap. <laughs> it is a crap. I, I spent I the last two hours. <laughs> degree in trolling. <laughs> I, I spent the last two hours just watching this unfold. I saw Tyler get involved. I saw all sorts of people get involved. I saw fellow Braves fans getting involved with, uh, like on Shaq's side. It was great. It was very entertaining. Um, an otherwise drab Wednesday night turned into you know some excitement, some drama. So, uh, <laughs> I appreciate it, Ryan. Yeah, in a time without much to talk about the Nats, uh, Shaq comes through. Um, so <laughs> everyone, everyone forgets my third degree is in trolling. Like I was born for this, and you're handing out third degree burns too. Your hey. PhD, uh, PhD doctor, doctor Toxic Shaq, doctor Toxic Shaq is a lawyer, doctor uh, in journalism <laughs> school, journalist, <laughs> epidemiologist, all the above. Else is there? Chef, 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 <laughs> pool boy, hat wrangler, yeah. cool pool boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. oh god, I just got that. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, before we get into the reason why and the background information for all the drama on Twitter, uh, Monty Tyler, how are you guys doing in general? Tyler, it's been a not too long, a couple weeks since we talked to you last. How you been? I've been good, you know, just same old, same old. You know what they say, life is like a sandwich. No matter which way you flip it, the bread always comes first. So that's my life motto. That's how <laughs> oh I just live God. by it every day. I'm logging <laughs> off. You know. I don't want to be on podcast anymore. <laughs> be like a goldfish, Monty. Be like a yep, goldfish. Yep, yep. All right, yep. <laughs> oh, man. I expected that from Monty, Tyler, but not, <laughs> not you. Um, dude, I had that one waiting in the wings. I'm you sorry. Were- you were supposed to be the best of us. <laughs> and... so, dude, I literally saw that on Twitter and I was like, dude, I have to like make this a part of the podcast at some <laughs> point, bro. I just wrote it down for my own <laughs> for future, future reference. I got a spreadsheet with all my, uh, all my possible puns and, and wordplay. So I'm joking. I don't, I don't. See, I don't, I don't believe you. I believe you actually have one. I could sense the judgment in the silence of all three of you, and I was like, "Uh oh." Yeah. Well, you're you're officially down oh one to Tyler in the pun department tonight, so we'll have to see how the the episode unfolds. Just wait till Shaq's article tomorrow with uh, some wordplay. Is it already? It's already oh, completed. It, it's, I, yeah, it's done. I've got it completed. It's and yep. Ryan's doing wordplay. That that's a, a big uh, development. Talk. Do you say pillow talk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I don't think that that's what you meant to say. <laughs> like, what, what's oh, uh, what's the word? Or the Monty, you might know this from uh, Princess Bride. He's like, you keep using this word, but I don't think it means what you think it means. Oh man, it's something something along those lines. But yeah, a couple articles coming out. Ryan and myself will be uh, dabbling back into the article game as we are. Oh, it's inconceivable. Is the word that well that used well that's yeah yeah that, that's the word i'm looking for the phrase so uh, oh you keep using that word i do not think it means what you think it means indigo montoya princess bride thank you monty yeah you're welcome <laughs> quick search there <laughs> oh man all right but yeah to get back to the, the twitter <laughs> drama let, let, let's dive into it so for those that might have missed the game maybe aren't as involved on social media, don't know what we're talking about or why we're talking about it. Last night, uh, what was the situation? Nats were down, what, two in the in the ninth? Something like that. Uh, Juan Soto up at the plate, nobody on base. Will Smith in for the, the close, the save, Juan Soto at the plate, like I said. They have some history. Um, you know, it goes back a while. Soto's gotten the better of Will Smith a couple times. Will Smith... Holds a grudge, apparently. Hits Soto with, you know, 95 in the middle of the back. Soto, I mean, clearly it hurts. Obviously, if you get 95 in the middle of the back, it's not going to feel good. But Soto didn't really make a big deal of it. Just jogged down the first. He's playing today. Seems fine. Nats today retaliate. Um, What's, I I don't know the pitcher's name that got thrown out. Sean Nolan. Sean Nolan. Thank you. I knew it was a lefty. I knew he had a weird number. I think he's like 74 or something. He retaliates against Freddie Freeman, throws over his head. He gets ejected. Um, and here we are. Uh, of course, Ryan checks into rehab uh, for trolling. Uh, 20 minutes later, this unfolds and Ryan's back. Um, so that, that that's the backstory. It's very brief, but obviously, you know, this is something that comes up every now and then baseball with the, throwing at players, players holding grudges. And that's kind of how in some ways the game polices itself, but this was something that didn't necessarily be need to be policed. This was just Will Smith being a sore loser and and a a whiny bitch for, for lack of a better term. It's just a very uh, Bush league move, but I, I know how you guys feel. Obviously I saw it unfold on Twitter, but in terms of the game, what are your thoughts on what Will Smith did and how the Nats re- responded and kind of your thoughts on how that game or how that strategy polices itself in general? Um, I guess I'll go. Uh, <laughs> you know, first off, like you said, Will Smith, baby back bitch. I mean, that guy is just the absolute biggest loser in the world. Holds grudges, knows Juan Soto, just absolutely owns him just felt the need to drill him for whatever reason with this team up by three or whatever it was. Um, I like that the Nats retaliated today. You know, I saw some people saying, oh, it shouldn't have been Freddie Freeman. You know, he's such a nice guy. He doesn't have any history with the Nats. I mean, it's best player for best player. That's just how it works. I mean. Yeah, Juan Soto has never done anything to the Braves. Like, not yeah. disrespectful. He's just exactly disrespected them by hitting bombs. Like, that. that's what he does. So, can't really use that argument. Yeah, I mean, you know, it all started when, um, you know, Soto was on the on-deck circle and, you know, Will Smith was kind of shooing him away. He thought he was getting too close. And then, you know, Soto hit the bomb off him and stared him down and then he's chirping him around the bases. And then, you know, nothing really unfolds there. Then fast forward to opening 
opening day next year, he hits a walk-off single off of him. And then, you know, fast forward all the way to September. And then he's still just thinking about him in that way, which just like, I don't know, guy's just a baby. Yeah. And we Nats fans uh, might remember this before with obviously Bryce Harper and Hunter Strickland. Hunter Strickland waited years for for that to unfold, and everyone remembers the the, the mishap helmet throw from Bryce, which he claims like he was kind of had second thoughts mid throw, and that's why it slipped. But it looked like he tried to throw it, and it just slipped anyways. But that's besides the point. We've seen this before. Uh, we know it can escalate very quickly. But Monty, what are your thoughts on the situation? It's entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It obviously gives us something to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have much thoughts on it. I mean, the whole throwing at somebody is stupid. So, I, yeah. it's The problem is, like, I find it entertaining because the drama and, you know, will they or won't they hit Freeman, which they did, you know, for retaliation. That kind of thing is fun. But throwing at somebody is dangerous and shouldn't be happening. But... Since it is, I will, I guess, enjoy it in the moment and then enjoy how uh, somebody uh, trolls on Twitter following that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one hit Freddie like 90 miles per hour in the butt. Yeah. Like, if you're going to hit anyone, that's a place to do it. I he hate. D- he did miss the first time behind the, a little bit higher up behind him. Though. Made it very clear he that word. he was throwing yeah. it. Yeah. He word. You yeah. could tell it was about to happen. He word. Missed. Yeah, I don't think he missed on purpose, but <laughs> he missed. All right. No, I mean, I just like I hate when pitchers and stuff hold grudges. It's so stupid. Pitchers always get their feelings hurt when players show up on the home run. Don't give up the home run. It's like pitchers get excited when they strike out someone, but players, I mean, uh, position players are, are allowed to do it back. It's stupid. It's one of those annoying unwritten things about baseball, and it's just dumb all around. It's well known, though, Ryan, like no offense to Nick, but pitchers are weird. Yeah, pitchers stink. Yeah, like they are weird people. <laughs> and they do weird things. And so, you know, it's yeah. not a surprise. But I yeah. mean, I, I can't name a single pitcher that keeps a, an Excel spreadsheet of their pun list. Uh, I said ready, I ready didn't. To fire. I yeah. said I didn't. And you have a total of zero people believing you. Um, <laughs> Thanks. You, this is about we, to be on the pod the last time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but obviously we've seen this. We saw it with Madison Bumgarner v. Max Muncy, uh, where uh, Muncy told Bumgarner to go get the ball out of the water if he didn't like uh, what Muncy was doing. Um, th- this has been on and on and on. We've seen, uh, I think it was Pirate or not Pirate. Yeah, it was Pirates Reds last year or maybe the year before that. And then Cardinals Reds. And I mean, this goes with every rivalry and obviously Nats Braves are our division rivals and have have some history they've been the two best teams from that NL East for the past few years so they've gone at each other plenty of times being division rivals and seeing plenty of each other and having two of the best young players in the game obviously Acuna out right now but Braves have Freddie Freeman who was the MVP last year so we see this this is just kind of the way the game works it works well in some ways where um the game polices itself like with i'm just going to use the astros as an example because it's the most recent um you know happening or event that occurred with the cheating scandal we we saw a lot of astros getting hit last year just hey like you cheated not or you cheated and got caught i should say because they're definitely not the only ones cheating um this is what your going to have to just 
accept and then you know we're good we move on uh same thing like in hockey they're still fighting in hockey because that's the way the game polices itself so it doesn't escalate too much and the the hits aren't dirty and stuff like that so i i understand it's not the best solution i wish they would just go full hockey and let guys fight for 30 seconds until the empires break it up. And then maybe each player is like ejected for the rest of the game or has to sit out a couple of innings. I don't know how you, how you do it, but I do like that hockey allows an avenue for players to kind of handle their, their stuff out and it let itself work out. And then you move on with the game. But it seems like with this, like we talked about with Will Smith and Hunter Strickland, just being a couple of examples, it seems to linger and pitchers do hold grudges. Uh, pitchers are, Babies, the princesses, I can admit that a lot of them, you know, get their way and they they have their own routine. They have the their way. They want things done. And this is just the, the latest example of it. Um, but I, I want to circle back to the Nats kind of retaliation. I, I think it is good because the, this team is not competitive right now. This team is not winning man, many games, but it's good to uh, show life in one way you do that, even though it might not be the uh, first choice is to fire up your team by, you know, an eye for an eye retaliating. Say that for your guys. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's how we do it. We saw Davey literally purposely get ejected from a world series game, different scenario, but we saw him purposely get ejected from a world series game, like screaming at an umpire's face to fire up his guys. Like that's one way you show life. You have to get your guys up to, to, you know, perform at a high level. It, happens all the time. So I do like that from the Nats that they didn't just let this go. Obviously it's even if it wasn't Juan Soto, they're still going to probably retaliate, but it is just one way. I, I like that the Nats are still finding ways to, to fight and, you know, care for the game that they're not completely checked out, even though us fans are definitely embracing the tank. But what do you guys think about the Nats retaliating? Uh, you know, like I said, I loved it, you know, I mean, that, that, like Monty said earlier, like drilling someone with 95 in the ribs, like Soto looked like he was obviously in a decent amount of pain. I mean, that that just that can't happen. I mean, out of for no reason, just because you want to, just because you hold a grudge because the guy owns you. I mean, that's just stupid. Like, and I absolutely love the fact that the Nats retaliated by hitting Freddie Freeman. You know, um, it's, it's just the way. Um, you know, I hate to use like this term, but like the way the game polices itself, like, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it, it, this isn't like a new phenomenon is kind of what we're getting at. Like this has been the, the way the game has worked for a while now. And yeah, it's not, like I said, it's not the first choice. Cause obviously people can get injured, even if you're not trying to intentionally hurt someone, these pitchers are throwing 95 regularly, if not harder. So it can lead to injury, but Will Smith shouldn't have hit Juan Soto in the first place. There was no reason to. It was just right, it was just right. dumb. But speaking of retaliation, karma is retaliating against the Mets for all their uh, poor organizational decisions. And uh, there's just a laundry list. I mean, we literally have a segment on a show calling called "Keeping Up with the Mets" with all the the insane stuff that goes on. Um, and not that we wish retaliation at all, because he is the best pitcher in the game when healthy, but. Jacob DeGrom, it does have, well, there's kind of conflicting reports. So it's a partially torn UCL, but Sandy Alderson apparently said it fixed itself, which 
I yeah. don't think that's how it works. I have a quote pulled up right here. <laughs> but the, the way he said it made it seem like, oh, yeah, he partially tore his UCL, which he's had Tommy John before, but now it's all good. But Yeah, he said the ligament is perfectly intact at this point. Whatever condition existed before, it's resolved itself. I don't think it works like I that. I don't think it works like that. Uh, <laughs> Let's I mean... check in with our doctor, uh, Shaq. <laughs> Dr. Shaq? Yeah, Dr. If the partial tear was like a mild sprain, it can heal on its own, but that's like the only that, way because that's partial not what tears it, are mild sprains, though. Like a mild sprain is a partial tear, right? That, that they made it sound worse <laughs> than that, though. But maybe there was just poor phrasing on their part. It's not like they're, they're the best yeah. at their jobs over there, but certain- I mean, the, the entire Mets. Just everything about the Mets isn't the best. They had more to say about the thumbs down situation than they did about their GM drunk driving. <laughs> like that's all you need to know about the Mets. Uh, something I just have to to break this up for some breaking news. Something despicable just happened. Uh, Yadiel Hernandez hit Andrew Minter with a line drive uh, right back at him. This is just outrageous behavior by the Nats. I don't know if anyone's watching the game. Uh, it was just a, a comebacker right at the pitcher. So that was. I'm a watching. Joke. I'm watching other games. Oh, I, that, that's very astute of you, Monty. Yeah, um, but that was just a joke. Disgusting that, behavior. No, I got apparently it. It was, di- didn't land because it was hilarious. Anything. I laughed. On oh, Monty, you. I just saw your tweet. Thank you. I'm trying to find video of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously not. Doesn't seem like damning news for Jacob Degrom. Obviously, we hope he's healthy. Even as Nats fans, we can appreciate his greatness. Um, Ryan, Tyler, did you guys hear anything more on the situation, or is it just kind of that one weird quote from Alderson? Um, that's really all I heard. <laughs> I didn't really look into it like in depth that much. Um, you know, I forget what it started with with Degrom. Was it like just forearm soreness? There or? was a lot. It was his forearm was sore, and then he had, um, I think his shoulder was sore, and then he had like. He had like his side. Um, and yeah. he was like, Yeah, most of the stuff is just from hitting, but when you throw one or two and you already have some type of shoulder or arm pain, like things are gonna go pretty poorly for you. Yeah, I mean he, he's a mess right now. I mean, as electric as his stuff is, you know, like you said, when you throw that hard, when you're throwing 102 mile per hour fastballs and you're whipping your uh elbow, throwing 95 mile per hour sliders, I mean your body's just not gonna hold up. Yeah. Uh, it's very commonplace, unfortunately, just because of the, the nature of the way pitchers are. It's obviously very common for hard throwing pitchers uh, to have Tommy John surgery, especially it's happening even younger and younger than it used to. But on the bright side, Tommy John isn't necessarily career ending anymore either. There are ways to kind of expedite the recovery process without you know losing too much. But if this is recurring, and obviously, like I said, DeGrom has had – Tommy John before uh, we don't wish any will ill will upon him. So hopefully whatever was there has indeed fixed itself and he can uh, get back to pitching soon. Cause again, I mean, the Nats aren't uh, in it this year. So DeGrom pitching against us would only help the tank. So wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. All right. Moving on to the other New York team. I want to bring up something um, that's, I, I saw it on Twitter, so I can't take credit for it, but it, it was a good, de- uh, good question and kind of a, a good debate topic. Uh, Derek Jeter had his uh, induction today to the Hall of Fame, and it, he's had kind of one of the more, 
obviously accomplished careers with, with all the the accolades that he had in the World Series titles and playing in New York for 20 seasons or however long it was. I think it was 20 years. Um, but if you do kind of a, a deeper look at his stats, he was terrible defensively. But everyone remembers the jump throws, the the, the Derek Jeter patented jump throw from short. So I kind of just wanted to get your guys' opinions. Obviously, I don't think the debate is, does Derek Jeter belong in the Hall of Fame? But when you look back on Derek Jeter, and he you know, was at the tail end of his career as we were kind of all getting into baseball. But um, what is your like lasting thought on Derek Jeter now that he's five years post-retirement or however long it's been? The whole discourse that MLB Twitter does on him is so dumb. <laughs> like, it just, it's so stupid. Jeter's one of the most iconic players in baseball history. He's the captain of the Yankees that adds to it. He played there for 20 years. He won a lot. Is he a top 50 player? No. Is he a top 75, 80 player? Yes. The whole discourse of it is so stupid. He sucked offensively, but like a lot of people do in the Hall of Fame. All of Fame's offensive award, Derek Jeter being Derek Jeter. Of course, he's going to be on his first try. Like, he's honestly one of the most iconic players in baseball. Like you said, he had the jump throw where kids were throwing it, yelling Jeter, doing the jump throw in Little League. Like, he's the captain of the Yankees. Like, come on. Of course, he's going to get on his first try. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I'm just curious to see what the, the lasting thoughts are now that we're removed from his playing career a little bit. So I started watching baseball right around the middle of the time him, Nomar, and A-Rod were changing that position because shortstop traditionally has been a uh, an off – like it's, it's a lot like the catcher position is now. Uh, it was very defense and light hitting and not big and powerful, um, not very offensive. And those three guys really changed everything in the late 90s, early 2000s. I think Nomar actually beat him in most stats. I think Carabas – Jared Carabas um, posted something about uh, from 97 to 2003, Nomar beat Jeter in most stats, but they changed the position. Um, and that's what makes him one of the best shortstops of all time from his era. But uh, as we move forward and these more offensive shortstops and better defensive shortstops come through it, he's going to get pushed down that list a little bit more, but he, he, like Ryan said, he, it's, it's iconic. There's marketing involved as well. Um, but he was a great player. Uh that's you know he deserves to be in the hall of fame and you know yeah the discourse is dumb but yeah you can kind of uh make a parallel in a comparison to fernando tatis obviously tatis is playing right field right now because because of injury but he had what like 20 errors or maybe even more than that and yeah he made some that comparison actually he made some yeah he had he had some iconic and tatis has some iconic plays like the was it a ryan zimmerman uh, hit that yeah, was going he, like, over his head. Jumped. Yeah, oh, yeah, and you get yeah. the uh, Don Orsillo call on that. They've that they've uh placed on like so. There was a, a the fly ball to right field in um Tatis's first game in the outfield, and they pasted the audio clip from that play where I saw that <laughs> where Tatis uh, robbed Zimmerman, and they put it over like a routine ball or routine fly out to to right field. And it was just so funny. So if I, I'll have to find that clip. So was I that the actual Padres like, social media team? No, no, no. This was just some, uh, some genius some, on Twitter. Uh, okay. I was going to be really impressed if it was a social media team. I would have loved that. Well, yeah. I mean, any social media team is pretty envious uh, from where we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're or enviable is from where we're sitting. Uh, but I Tyler, no what, 
<laughs> Tyler, what are your thoughts on uh, Derek Jeter and kind of his legacy? Not that we're questioning it, but just your your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jeter, he's obviously a legend. And, you know, like Ryan said, very overrated defensively, not a great defender, but no one remembers you for your defense. Like the casual fans are going to remember you for your offense. And, you know, that's what Jeter brought, you know, obviously, you know, he had the iconic moments like the jump throw and everything, but I mean, the guy could flat out hit and that was no question. And I feel like that is the reason why, you know, along with his character on and off the field, that was the reason why he was so endearing to Yankees fans and baseball fans everywhere. And, you know, I absolutely think he definitely deserves to be a hall of famer. Absolutely. Um, And I was going to make a point, but I completely lost my train of thought. That sucks. I, I had a good point to make. But, yeah, Derek Jeter, uh, Larry Walker inducted today. So congratulations to both of them. But uh, looking forward to next year's ballot. Oh, I remember the point I was going to make. If people cared about defense, then uh, Omar Vizquel would be in the Hall of Fame rather than yeah, – Or Angleton Simmons would be a superstar. Right, <laughs> yeah. Th- that's the point I was going to make. But it does segue into – the way or where I wanted to transition looking ahead to next year's ballot. There's notable names that are uh, eligible for the first time on the ballot. Uh, but just to, to run down some, some of the overall names, Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, obviously all three of them are grouped together for uh, different reasons, character clause, uh, PD, uh, alleged PD usage and, and whatnot. They're all on their final year of the ballot. Kurt Schilling was the closest this year at 71.1%. You need 75 to get in. So next year will be their last eligible year, uh, unless the Veterans Committee ever elects them or inducts them. Uh, Scott Rowland, Omar Fiskell on their fifth year, Billy Wagner seventh, um, and then some guys that probably won't get in based on their numbers um, this past year, Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Manny Ramirez, Sammy Sosa also on his 10th. Uh, you're on the ballot, by the way, but he's definitely not getting in. Andy Pellet, Mark Burley, Tory Hunter, Bobby Abreu, probably not getting in either. But <clears throat> some of the big names for next year, their first time in the ballot, Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz. I mean, you could throw Mark Teixeira in there, um, Jimmy Rollins. Probably there's a couple names you, you might recognize, but those are the big ones. Jonathan Palpable, probably another one. Um do you guys think any of those are first ballot Hall of Famers? And do you think any of the previous guys I mentioned finally get in after a couple of years of waiting? I don't think they're going to be first ballot Hall of Famers. The... Ortiz, well, the, the, because of the, the steroid stuff, both Ortiz and, and uh, A-Rod, but the people have conveniently forgot Ortiz, so it's possible Ortiz could be first ballot. Well, in 2016, Manfred told the Hall of Fame voters to be lenient on it because he was questioning it, even though it was a banned substance. And Barry Bonds is being blackballed by MLB for never testing positive for a banned substance. Uh-huh. Ortiz is really interesting. He has the best case um, just because he's David Ortiz when the Red Sox, you know, were arguably at their prime. Um but the hall doesn't really vote in DHS. So that's going to be really interesting if he has enough to get in on his first try. His numbers are good. Um, again, iconic playoff moments, great in the playoffs. Winner, the question is, will he get on his first try if voters actually go against their history and vote in a DH on the first try? Because I don't think they have yet. Y'all remember when he got shot? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I just, I, and like yeah, the entire, I just... the entire, 
country like went after and hunted down the person who did it because everyone loves David Ortiz. Yeah. (laughs) It's a, yeah, it's amazing how A-Rod did it for a while, but then he quickly uh, reverted back to everyone hating him. Uh, but it's amazing how David Ortiz has now really, people love them again. Yeah, it's weird. He, he's a roller coaster that one, Alex Rodriguez. But it's amazing how David Ortiz, like Monty uh, alluded to earlier, like he's really separated himself from any kind of discussion about performance enhancing drugs, which uh, he definitely I don't know if he ever tested. He definitely he, t- he tested positive, right? David Ortiz. There was some sort of evidence. I can't remember what it was. Though. Yeah. He, in yeah. 2003, he tested positive for okay, yeah. substance. Yeah, that was while yeah, he was, was a long time ago. Yeah. Was he with the Red Sox then, or was he still with the Twins? It might have been right when he was right before he got to the Red Sox. I can't remember okay. if he got there. Because he, he was on the 04 team, right? Yes. Yeah, so right around that time, he was joining the Red Sox if he wasn't there already. But yeah, he, he he's done such a, a 180. He's on, what, Fox Sports? Is, or the pregame shows, is that where he is? Uh, but he's very likable and, and, you know, he has maintained this um, charisma that has really separated himself from any kind of uh, disgracing the game or anything like any character clause uh, invocation from the, the committee. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but we talked about him, Alex Rodriguez, multiple positive tests, um, you know, once in he gets uh, suspended Texas season. Uh, yeah, he was suspended for what eighty games um, in New York. That was at the latter end of his career. Came back. The thing that bothers me most is like he's he what finished with six hundred ninety nine home runs, something like that, or six ninety six. He was right close. The greatest disservice was the Yankees forcing him to retire and not getting seven hundred. Yeah, because it was in the middle of the season too. It was like July or August. Like he definitely would have hit seven hundred, but then he didn't sign anywhere else. Like he 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 just retired, which I don't know. He got he got suspended for an entire season. Oh, that's right, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, and it was 2013, end of 2013, and all of 2014. Yeah, but I mean, even still, what age did he retire at? Do you have that information in front of you? Yes, one second. <laughs> Almost in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, the answer is no. You don't have it in front of you. But Bonds was at. He seven- was. He was. He was forty. Oh, so he was. So he was up there. But obviously, if he didn't have that suspension he probably would have gotten there but then obviously if he didn't use steroids he probably wouldn't have gotten there but uh you know 696 is still not too shabby you still have to be able to hit home runs plenty of players use peds and they're they're not dropping 700 plus home runs uh some people even use peds and get worse um but what's your guys thoughts on alex rodriguez and his prospects for uh for potential hall of fame status a rod and all the other people who use PEDs should get into the hall of fame. Um, I don't think a rod's going to get in the hall of fame or they may, may make him wait until the last year, which is so stupid and annoying um, because steroid era state baseball, say baseball, that's a whole separate conversation. Um, but the thing that sucks is like a rod's numbers with four steroids were otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Like he was already unreal and then he took steroids. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think he gets in, which is really annoying because there's people in the Hall of Fame now who have tested positive for banned substances, especially the banned substances that, you know, some of the guys are blackballing now. They won't let in. Um, There's just a lot of hypocrisy when it comes to Hall of Fame voting. Yeah, I agree with Ryan. I mean, you know, steroids, they're great for baseball, you know, make the game more exciting. But 
Um, you know, it's an absolute joke that Barry Bonds isn't in the Hall of Fame yet. I mean, greatest player ever. Um, I do think A-Rod is going to have to wait a long time if he even gets on it. I feel like eventually he will make it, but I don't think it's as much of a lock as some people think it is. Yeah. So now, well, before we move on, um, Mark Teixeira, Jimmy Rollins, Jonathan Pavlon, are any of them even worth talking about? Are any that that's probably no. Hall of Very Good status. Jonathan Pavlon. He's going as a nap, right? <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> so what a guy. Do you think Jonathan Pavlon has a shot? I mean, or his his uh, his peak's probably not long enough, hopefully right? Hopefully not. His his peak wasn't long enough, but like man, his numbers and his peak were freaking absurd. He was like on pace to be better than Kimbrel and like had the dumbest numbers. And then you know he kind of became a, a wacky guy, and <laughs> every everything went south. Was he one of the guys drinking at the end of 2011? Um, I think so. I think, yes. You bring that up, yeah. I think he was. Which also, the chicken and beer, yeah, yeah. It, it which by the way was the best ending. Me best ending to a to a baseball season in recent memory i think i tweeted about it the other day it was uh yeah oh but yeah like it was like him and a couple others i don't know if lester was involved so i don't know why i'm throwing him out there i just wanted to see if shackle mentioned how much he hates him because that was his random player (laughs) who's gonna hate and he got cheated out of a full year of hating him yeah one name I do want to mention, he's not gonna be a Hall of Famer, but he is a multiple time Cy Young winner, and that's Tim Lincecum. Uh that that's one of my biggest what ifs. Like if he had just stayed healthy, like what that career could have been. Cause obviously during his prime, he won two Cy Youngs and, and was part of uh the start of that Giants dynasty. So uh, shout out to Tim Lincecum. He's one of my favorite pitcher growing up. Um, but that leads me to my next question. You know, if Schilling, Bonds, Clemens, they're on their last try so far, no dice. Bonds and Clemens have a lot of work to do. Schilling's right on the outside looking in, but it, you know he still needs four percent, which might not sound like a lot, but it is. I um, hope he doesn't get in just because he's just kind of an awful human being. Yeah, yeah, he, he's guy. he's yeah. Um, but so you have those three, and then you have really just the two first ballot guys, Rodriguez and Ortiz. Everyone else, I don't think really at least not next year, certainly. So of those five guys, it sounds like we don't expect any of them to get in next year. So are we just going to have no uh, Hall of Fame inductees? I don't know when the last time that that's happened. I know I think it's happened have... before, but I can't remember the last time it's happened. I think uh veterans committee might have somebody or something like that. Which but... they just, who, who was uh, the guy that they put in recently that. Um... Simmons today. No, this this is a couple of years ago, if not last year. Um, like, if you look at his numbers, they weren't good. Jack something. Does anyone know? No. Oh, Jack Morris. Jack Morris, which I'm pretty okay. Before I start besmirching someone's name, I'm gonna look up his stats just to to back it up. Uh, yeah, he pitched for the Tigers. Three nine ERA. His career WAR is only four forty three point five. So, like, solid career. But that's not Hall of Fame stat. So it's just like he, the vet, the Veterans Committee just puts in anyone. He he also just got suspended for his uh, that's what it was. comments. With yes, Shohei that's Otani. exactly what it was. I, I knew there was some correlation there. I knew I was bringing yep. it up for a reason. But yeah, the Veterans Committee they they just put in who they want to. It's like the Boomers Unite Committee is is more like uh, <laughs> kind of how that 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 operation runs. 
but yeah, it's definitely something to watch. When do Hall of Fame announcements usually come out? What time of year? January, I think. January. Yeah. Winter meeting. Because no, remember, I wrote an article. Meetings. Yeah, I wrote an article on it a couple years ago. Yeah, because I remember your article from a couple years ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that'll wow, be something. Okay. <laughs> Monty is very memorable writing. <laughs> a couple no. years ago. You know what? I, yeah, uh, it was one of my first articles for the for the for Half Street High Heat. I thought it would be memorable, but you know. <laughs> no, I only I remember, remember Colt. I only only remember Colt Clifford's work. I, I feel know, like you should you, you should are. remember the Chili's one where the heater awards where I where yeah, I basically that's, wrote a, a that's the heater story. <laughs> the heater awards. Yeah. Which I don't know if we'll bring those back. Maybe, maybe not. Um, all right, but looking at so you know, probably no Hall of Famers next year, which will be disappointing, but understandable to an extent. Uh no, actually, no, not understandable because Barry uh Barry Bond should be in the Hall of Fame. But looking at the game today. How many current or active players do you think are at least on path uh, oh, this is easy. to, to, to yeah. a Hall of Fame? And there's one guy I, I want to get to. I, I have a reason for bringing this up, but roughly, you know, we can go through them now. How many guys do you think are, are Hall right. of Fame status oh, or Hall of Fame? So go ahead, you have, the lo- you have the locks, right? Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera, um, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Mike Trout are locks. So is that's that six. That's six. six. And then you have the people who are on the path. Um, who will price. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let Ryan, Bri- Ryan go ahead and finish. And then I'll, so I'll chime in. Bryce Harper's on the path. Um, Freddie Freeman's probably on the path. Joey Vado is questionable, but he's on a likely track. Uh, um, the path. Oh, sorry. Uh, Yadier Molina is a lock. Put that in there. Salvador Perez so and Buster Posey are on the path as well. And then if you go down a little below that, you have the people who have the trajectory. That's Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, Rafael Devers, those guys like that. And um, Vlad Jr., those guys have the right trajectory. So at least seven locks. So you don't have Zach oh, DeGrom on there. Oh, I forgot about Granky. Yeah, he's, yeah. I was going to say, speaking of weird pitchers, by the way, well, he's the he- poster boy for weirdness. Well, he also has anxiety issues as well. Oh, I know, but so. he's he's weird anyway. But Zach Greinke, I mean, he, he meets the quote unquote criteria. His career WAR is at seventy four point two three three eight ERA, multiple multiple Cy Young. No, just one. No, Cy just Young. one. Just, just one. one. But six time Gold Glove, which you know that that is something. Uh, not that defense is everything, like we just talked about. But for a pitcher, I mean that. That, that's something you get to hang your hat on and two-time silver slugger and if aj hinch had uh had allowed uh him to stay in the game nats might not be world, world series, series title champs. yeah world, Se- <laughs> world series because that was so frustrating it, ground balls back to him i think we hit like seven or eight right back to him in the first six innings it was yeah that that was a pretty frustrating game to get to till the seventh inning or whenever yeah they, they pulled well, him that inning was pretty- um yeah but so I, i'll put grinky as like maybe not a first ballot guy, but he, I, yeah, I think but you he'll, said, de- he'll how definitely, much, you said 74 war or something. Yeah. 74 war. Yeah. That's more than enough to get yeah, 60, get in. 65 is usually the, the measure that people kind of look to. So he, he's comfortably above that. Um, so those guys are, are most likely going to be in barring some unforeseen circumstance regarding character, uh, performance enhancing drugs or anything like that. But of the next tier, 
So Ryan mentioned a couple, you know, Bryce Harper, Freddie Freeman, Bryce Harper's kind of where I wanted the cert to the uh, conversation to circle back to, because Ryan's been talking about, you know, how much someone's odds improve to be a hall of famer. If you win a mult or a, a second, at least a second MVP award, which he's firmly in that conversation. We, we talked about that on the last podcast, but as it stands now, even if he doesn't win an MVP award, he's only what 26, something like that. So he's got plenty of time to, to add to his resume. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts on some of those players that are on the path? And do you have any other uh, people you want to mention that are, are likely to or could be uh, Hall of Famers? Ryan um, Wow. <laughs> uh, I think Austin votes on that path because he just struck out two batters and didn't give up six runs in this inning. So, <laughs> no, nah, but I mean, um, I think basically all of them were listed. I think, you know, with Bryce Harper winning a second MVP, his chances really will shoot up. Um, You know, I I can't really think of anyone else off the top of my head that, you know, would be like in consideration um, or like close to it. So uh, what about Joey Votto? Like I I know Ryan mentioned him, like he doesn't have – did Votto win an MVP? Votto's interesting. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. So somebody In, somebody asked me about him specifically the other day, because because um, there's they're a Reds fan, and he's got some decent he's got some good numbers. He's been quiet. I think a lot of times with the Reds just haven't been great, so like he gets overlooked a lot. But he is playing first base, which is a tougher position. He's definitely not going to be first ballot. But I he think had an he insane will, yeah he this year. yeah he was like mashing. Joey Votto might be one of those people who, like, he doesn't seem too appealing for it right now. But as time goes on, voters going to start numbers, looking back yeah. on his career and be a little more like, huh? Because he's one of those people who has like a late resurgence in his career. That's going to get it. Um, so he's got a sixty-three point two career WAR, and the average Hall of Fame first baseman has a sixty-six point nine. Yeah, he has a career so. on-base percentage above four hundred, and I think his career slugging is a. Above 500? Yeah, he's, for his career, that? he's slashing 502, 416, 519. Yeah. You could probably name all the players in the Hall of Fame who have those slash – so, who, sorry, who aren't in the Hall of Fame who have that slash line on one hand. I He won't get in first try, but he's going to those people who becomes more and more attractive to make it years after he's retired. And one of those people that you can count on one hand is Barry Bonds, and he uh, should yeah. be in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, seven of Votto's 15 years in the league, he's had an on-base percentage above 400. His highest being 474 in 2012. And he didn't even win an MVP that year. He, his OPS was 1041, and he came in 14th place in MVP voting. Uh, we only played in 111 games, so that probably explains it. But, geez. <laughs> he won yeah, I, I, I feel like he's just uh- – yeah, I feel like he's underrated because just for whatever reason, maybe because he's Canadian. I'm not sure. Plays for the he's Reds. Monty. I was just yeah. saying, hey, there's only two Hall of Famers he's that are Canadian, Canadian and one of them got in today. Hey. Derek Jeter? No, uh, Larry Walker. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was a joke. Monty. You got to work on your delivery, man. Oh, there's the Austin Voth home run tie game. <laughs> you, you jinxed it. Sadly. No, it's Hall no. of Fame. I think it's just over. Um, oh, the other guy I wanted to mention 
which he's having a very solid year this year. So that probably got him back on track, but that's Buster Posey. Obviously he was on all three of those world series winning teams. He's caught how many no hitters in perfect games, like five or six, something like that. Something and he's insane. playing a premium position. So his and stats, premium, his offensive stats can be a little bit lower. Right. But his offensive stats are awesome. He's won an MVP yeah. as well, but back in 2012 Three, career, 300 batting average, yeah. The question. So, his second half of his career is what is going to hurt his right. chances because that's how people are going to remember him. I think it's going to be the same thing as Joey Votto. People are going to think about more favorable. It's hard to quantify what catchers do. It's really, really hard to quantify that. Um, if he has like another year or two where it's really great, he's going to become a lock. But I'm on the same like um, viewpoint of him with Vado a couple years after your tires, people are going to start appreciating him more and now help his case. Like he won't be in the first two years in Vado, but like third year on the ballot or so that's when I can see them getting in. Yeah. Agreed. I hope he gets in. Uh, I like, I've always liked, Buster I mean, seven time all-star rookie of the year, MVP three-time world series. Oh, he player. has, he, he absolutely has, has yeah. the resume. Well, rookie of the, the year. Rookie of the year does not like no, it doesn't mean chances. anything. No, yeah, no, but it, that's true. That's a good point, but it's yeah. just another thing. Like, that's to add the on. one award that you can't put any correlation to. Like all the other but, awards, there's a direct correlation between, but that's the one there isn't. Yeah, if you look Bobby at rookie Crosby of the year, of the Oakland A's winning winning the AL rookie of the year back in like 2007 or whenever it was, that doesn't mean anything. Hanley Ramirez. Um, next Hanley question. Ramirez. <laughs> Do you even remember who Bobby Crosby was? No, <laughs> yeah. I remember all things. <laughs> no, um, it's like well, rookie of the years like Cy Young. Like, if you win one Cy Young, like your Hall of Fame chances are like twenty three percent. But once you win that second one, they basically double. Like the yeah, one Cy like Young, anything you can happen. If you don't win one, it hurts you. Like if you have zero, yeah. I think that can hurt you. True, but like you can also like not necessarily luck into a Cy Young, but have like an outlier yeah. year where you win the Cy Young. Exactly, like uh, the yeah. knuckleballer R. A. Dickey, Bartolo Colon. Right. Yeah. Pitchers Cologne is a Hall of Famer in my book. R- Rick Porcello, Hall of Famer of having multiple families. Yeah, I was trying to make the exact same. <laughs> he <joke>. also <laughs> got suspended for PEDs. Yeah, and everyone, everyone forgets that one because yeah. of, because, because of one fluke home run. Because he's chunky, and because Amanda brings him up literally every time she she can. And he uh, drives it. That goes up to back of the wall. It's impossible. Dude, it replays in my nightmares. <laughs> Rotolo has done it. Great call. Great call. So we just talked about Buster Posey. Do you guys think Joe Maurer's going to be a Hall of Famer? He's eligible in like a, another year or two. He's another what if. When you talk about Lincecum, the what if with the injuries. Right, for sure. But, yeah. but I mean, he um, still has a great career and he's won an MVP. So it's like he he doesn't have – or. Um, with Posey, like he doesn't have the World Series uh, wins, obviously, but he does have similar stats. And uh, like I said, MVP where he cr- uh, retired with a 55 war. But what do you guys think about Joe Maurer? Borderline. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I, mean, I love Joe. I love watching him. I definitely think um, being a catcher helps his case, but I would agree he's probably borderline. He's not like, I would say, at the same levels like Buster Posey. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about Maurer is he 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 was a hometown kid for the Twins and played his entire career for the Twins. That was a really cool thing. That has not no bearing on the Hall of Fame 
stats. I just, I just always loved that. And then, you know, cause I know at one point the Yankees wanted to try and pull him away from Minnesota and it didn't happen. Well, the Yankees have tried to pull every like right. you know, star any, player any from decent, any team yeah. in the two thousands. And yeah. they ended up with Joey Gallo. Like that, that's how the Yankees are operating nowadays. Yeah. They, they couldn't get Joe Maurer. So they finally got Joey Gallo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I man. That was a joke. Um, they don't need Joe Maurer. They got Gary Sanchez. The last guy, which I, I think probably was on the trajectory, but he definitely had a rocky end to his career, specifically the last four years, uh, most notably being in the minor system for the Orioles. That's Felix Hernandez. Uh, do you guys think he has any shot or is he on the outside looking in at, due to a rocky end um, to his career? Man, he's a tough one. Yeah, like he's – if you look at strictly the numbers, like if you've never seen Felix Hernandez pitch before and you have no, um, you know, background information on 50.2 war, 169 wins to 136 losses, 342 era, you're like, okay, he was solid, but was he ever dominant? Which anyone who watched ever. baseball during that time knew he was dominant. So it's just you like, know you know, it's going to hurt him. Uh, never pitching in the postseason. Well, that, that's yeah it's gonna not, hurt him for sure but it's his fault directly it, but right but they they, they do thing. they do take that into account like you got to remember the writers are taking all sorts of crap into account. yeah the boomer writers yeah but he, he was always a, a fascinating like debate because his peak from really 2009 to 2014 uh so six years i mean it was you could argue he was the best pitcher in baseball at the time he was absolutely phenomenal and he had a perfect game as well, which isn't the end all be all, but still, I mean, that's something you can hang your hat on something to add to the resume. So that, that was always one of the biggest what ifs for me. Is there anyone else you can get guys can think of that's like eligible for, uh, for voting it coming up in the next couple of years? We mentioned Bryce Harper. Uh, What about Manny Machado? Manny is on who's on he's on the trajectory if he can stay healthy and kind of have like another one or two year resurgence like he's underrated having a pretty decent year this year people are talking about because Fernando Tatis is there but if he can get a ring and have another two or three really really good because he's still not many years He's still not 30. He's 20. Exactly. Yeah. yeah he's exactly. already at 45 career war, too. Yeah. His, his defense say, is absurd. He came up at 19. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he has the numbers. He just needs more of the accolades and stuff. Him, Bryce, and Mike Trout all came up around the same time in 2012. I'm kind of, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I always, I forget Machado was in that conversation, but like it just a quick glance back you know, through, through my brain, I'm like, oh yeah, he was very clearly, you know, around the same time. And obviously he was with the, the Orioles when they made their, their postseason trips and in, in the wildcard games and the infamous uh, not pitching Zach Britton game and whatnot. And Manny Machado was like the heart and center of that I mean, he was still young, still, um, you know, coming into his own, but he was MVP nine, his second year in the league, MVP four, uh, his fourth year, and then MVP fifth the next year after that, and then MVP third last year. So I, I agree, he's probably on the trajectory, but he's going to need, like Tyler said, he's going to need the the awards, the 
MVP, the World Series title, or something like that. He's a platinum glove winner and a five-time all-star. But, you know, like you guys said, you can kind of luck into some of these awards. Another guy we forgot about is Nolan Arenado. Yeah, it, it's it's really going to depend what he does in St. Louis. In right. My yeah, he's but he, yeah. yeah he's got a forty three point eight WAR. So, mm-hmm. and he's just now thirty. So he's yeah. It's, it is going to depend on what he does in St. Louis, but he's on in theory on that trajectory as well. But they, and, you're right. The Colorado the Colorado ballpark is going to hurt him a little bit, just like it did a little bit with Larry Walker. It took Larry Walker this long seven years to get in. Yeah. Um, another one who's on that trajectory is John Carlos Stan. If the man could just stay healthy uh, for a couple of years he might want to get out of new york <laughs> he's, not well, that's not, he's been nope. good like that's the thing he's literally been good and yankee fans are like this guy's trash he needs yeah. to go no well, he's I, gonna take his contract I, though i was just talking to ryan about this earlier i have a friend who's a diehard yankees fan and he was just so obnoxious today he's like i hope the yankee like i told him the yankees are you know, had lost two in a row to the Blue Jays, and which he was aware of. And he was like, I hope they tank so they fire everybody and overhaul the whole roster. And I was like, who would you get rid of first? And he was like, trade Stanton, which isn't going to happen. Get rid of Torres, who is 24 and has a lot of years on his and, and is decent. He's not having a great year, but like, it's just ridiculous the, the, the way Yankees fans are. They, they haven't gone to the World Series in a decade, so they're losing their minds. Yeah. They wanted to get rid of DJ LeMahieu like the first like three years into his new deal because he was underperforming. Yeah. Or I said three years, three months. <laughs> yeah, they make it sound like they can just snap their fingers and a player is gone and there's no repercussions. And they can just pull and they can just buy anybody they want after that. And that's not necess- that's not how it works. But I think Steinbrenner from the early year, like from the early two, the late nineties, early two thousands, really spoiled them because they think they can just do whatever they want and get whatever they want. And money is not a thing to them, but that's not how it works. And that's just how New York fans operate. And that's how it kind of I'm sure I don't interact with many Dodgers fans, but I'm sure they're kind of the same way with how the Dodgers operate. Granted, the Dodgers you have to give them more credit than probably the surface level shows because they do produce a lot of talent. We talked about that on the last episode too, with all the the rookie of the years and all the the high level prospects they always seem to have, but they do pull off these great trades. uh, You know, Mookie Betts most recently and and obviously Max, well, not most recently because they have Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, but Mookie Betts before then, and they have their dose of uh, homegrown stars coupled with guys acquired in trade, but also, you know, you can add free agent signings on top of that. So I, I would imagine with the, the payroll the Dodgers are having that, that That's, Dodgers yeah. fans are kind of uh, venturing into that Yankees fans territory with, oh, we can do whatever the hell we want, which yeah. you can't really argue against that currently. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I that Dodgers fans might be like that because I did see a tweet the other day that said uh, uh, they didn't see anything exciting about Trey Turner besides his running. And because he sees too many, he sees too many, uh, too many pitches and gets behind I was about too many to counts. Mention that exact same tweet. I was like, "We'll <laughs> yeah. take him back if you don't think he's that fun to watch." Like, yeah, keep in mind he's gonna win the. He's probably gonna win the batting title. Exactly. And, and he's the leadoff guy, so he's supposed to see a lot of pitches. And he's one of the best two strike hitters in the league. So like, it doesn't matter that he gets behind the count. Doesn't know ball. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't know ball. Well, we know ball, and what else we know is manscaped. Today's episode and all of our episodes are presented to you by Manscaped. Attention gamblers of all shapes and sizes. Our friends at Manscaped have a can't-miss bet for you today. The leaders in male grooming just launched their fourth-generation performance package, 
and the betting odds are in your favor when you use Lawnmower 4.0. Across the board, this is the package to get you in the mood for whatever your gambling heart desires. Are you ready to take the leap to male grooming royalty? Because too many, two million men worldwide have already joined the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com. You can get 20% off and free shipping using our promo code HSHH20. Like I said, it gets you 20% off your entire art order. No exclusions, no hiccups, no gimmicks, no, no nothing. Just 20% off your entire order. So feel free to stock up. It is a can't miss bet. Like I mentioned, the performance package uh, by Manscaped is their ultimate parlay to take you to your, uh, take your grooming game to the next level. Uh, the performance package features the lawnmower 4.0, the weed whacker, which is their ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop reviver, the, um, the crop toner, which is a ball toner, which is awesome. And they even throw in a, a shed travel bag and some uh, premium performance boxers, which is just uh, icing on top of the cake. It's just it's awesome. Juan Soto just hit a home run, by the way. Um, so go to Manscaped, use our promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping on your order. It's rare. You get a can't miss bet. Manscaped is your can't miss bet. Um, so like I just mentioned, once Soto just Homer till he gets yeah, his, can uh, I, last can I just, got a tweet for that. Just send a little one out. <laughs> can I just say that was, a, that was really well done. You're Thank just you. you zipped right. You didn't lose track at all. You just mentioned it and then went. I was it was very seamless. Very very well done, Nick. E- easier easier to to think and to process when a man does not hear. Um, <laughs> shots. I, I, yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> she I'm she team, knows I'm joking. I, at least I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before the ad read, we were talking about Trey Turner, uh, and one thing I want to bring up because I wouldn't put it past them and it's not my desired outcome, but again, I I would not put it past them. No, 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 no. I, I, I see a situation where the Nats reunite with Trey Turner. Oh, mainly, mainly let me preface because I, I can see them either missing out on the talent this off season or just not paying up for the talent or just saying, you know, we're going to continue letting the young guys develop. So hopefully we don't have to pay and we can spend that money elsewhere, probably on pitching because even after the addition of Josiah Gray and a couple others, our pitching depth isn't all that great. Again, this is not my desired outcome. And I, I know you guys are just like ready to just shoot that plan down. But I I, think, I, yeah. I see I see a reality where, where that happens. I, I don't know I, where you guys fall. I think he was I think he was hurt by by the Nats trading him. Yeah, well, I, he obviously was very vocal about the fact that he loved it here and that he wanted to stay here long term. And obviously, you know, the extension talks didn't go as planned, and they did the right thing and they got the most value for him, you know, at his peak. And you know. I would love to see Trey Turner back. I don't necessarily think it's all that likely. I don't think he stays with the Dodgers, but I don't think he comes back to the Nats. I think he um, signs with another East Coast team. That's my prediction. Yeah, I mean, I, I 
definitely agree with you guys that I do think he was hurt and and it's understandable too, even if there wasn't like some sort of disrespect or uh, it had nothing to do with the, the contract negotiations, which by all reports did not go very well. Yeah. Um, but like he, he, pretty much only knew the Nats like he, yeah he was with the Padres but it was really only for like a, a cup of coffee like it you know as soon as he was basically drafted he was traded once he was eligible to be traded and then the the player to be named later situation like, which now yeah. isn't a thing but uh, he, he's pretty much only known the Nats he's come up with them he won a world series with them like he he entered his prime with them and his battle and all this stuff so it's understandable like he, he would be hurt to be traded but um, at the same time, we've seen reunions before, not necessarily with Nats, but like in, in general. And at the same time, money talks. If the Nats come correct in two years when he's a free agent, say, here's the contract you wanted before. And obviously he he's earned it. He's continuing to play at a high level and there's no injuries or concerns. And may have won a couple of World Series. Right, right. Like if the Nats come correct and, and all things line up, I can see Trey just being like, all right, we're good. All is forgiven. Because, again, money talks. And, and yeah. he, he does like it here. He's probably one of the few people who like it here. Um, Did you see that video of when he first arrives in the uh, in the clubhouse, the Dodgers yeah. clubhouse? He, he was, seemed too thrilled. Yeah, because Max was like, Max was like, Max is all I, in. Like, he yeah, he was, he was, he was yeah. joking. He's like, I'm Max Scherzer, Los Angeles Dodgers. And uh, Trey Turner's like, laugh, like, oh, the blue. And he's like, he just kind of groans at the blue jerseys. He's like, that's going to take some getting used to. And, and Max said, you better get used to it like you'll get used to it after a couple days and and trey goes uh well i like winning and that was his response he didn't look too thrilled to be to be in la and we know he didn't want to necessarily be on the west coast but yeah oh i mean if he hates it that much he can always leave but at the same time like once you really start winning at the dodgers make a another deep world series or a playoff push which presumably they're they're lined up to do arguably better than any other team in the league i that that'll you know yeah assuage yeah. any concerns he has um ryan I, I know where you're landing on this i mean you were kind of the uh, leading charge on the idea to trade trey turner in the first place before anyone was even talking about it because everyone was bringing up max scherzer because he was an impending free agent and all that stuff but you were the really the first that i even saw to uh suggest the possibility of trading Trey Turner. And I know you were kind of against the long-term deal for him because of what it would take to sign him and how old he would be at the time of free agency. But where do you fall on the the potential reunion? Should the Nats miss out on the crop of free agents this off season? I think even if they miss out on the free agents, they shouldn't try to bring him back. Like love Trey is one of my favorite players. It just doesn't make sense logistically for a couple of reasons. I also think he was very much hurt. Like Monty said, by being traded, one of the things he said is words speak louder than actions. Um, or sorry, actions speak louder than words. Sorry about that. I like thought, I thought about that. I was like, that well, I was right. like, did he actually say that? Cause like, what as, did they say to him that really as, the, pissed him off? as the king of trolls, Ryan can attest that words, that words speak do louder. speak louder. <laughs> hey man. Words break bones, change my mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think he was upset by a lot of the things, the way the Nats handled the contract extension. I think he was hurt that they only offered one that he thought was a low ball and then they never came back. I don't think he would come back unless his market somehow just completely deteriorated into the Nats' favor, which I don't really see would happen. I, but 
I, I think he'll get paid. Uh, I'm not saying like he's going to sure. take, take a one year, you know, essentially a qualifying offer and, and tries to extend or his free agency or whatever, even like, uh, you know, a three year, $120 million deal or something like that. Like, I think he'll, he'll still get paid, but I do see a potential scenario be, just because of the, the year before him and how many shortstops are on the market, like all the, the teams that are willing to pay up will pay up if they need a shortstop. So it could be a situation where Trey misses out. Granted, you know, Trey's a high level player. He's a top two, top three shortstop in the game. Uh, so like everyone could stand to upgrade by adding someone like Trey Turner. It's just who actually will and who can afford to both uh, willingness to spend and like, cap space so to speak even though there's not really a cap space in baseball so i, I just wanted to bring it up because i know that's got to be on people's minds if it's max this year right where people are like oh max reunion max reunion but next year it's going to be trey turner like oh trey reunion trey reunion but, yeah i mean i think it really depends on what they do this offseason and how they approach it you know oh, obviously if they go out and get one of the marquee free agent shortstops, then obviously Trey reunion's completely out the window. Yeah, or the if they book spend, is closed. Right. Yeah. Or if they spend significant money in another position player at another position of need, a position of need, like a Chris Bryant or someone, you know, I think it really just depends on all the logistics of what happens this off season. Well, let's talk about that. Cause you posted an article not too long ago, highlighting some uh, free agents, the Nats, might be in in on and then mm-hmm. some free agents that should be in on so let, let's just go around and kind of put our name to the player like who uh would be our ideal situation with like a semi dose of realism because obviously we want them to sign everybody because the, they can the learners have the money to do so but with with the dash of realism like what's your ideal situation tyler i'll kick it back to you since it was your article like what's your ideal situation i know you've mentioned chris bryan a couple times yeah you know big chris bryan guy i would absolutely love the nat sign him um but i think obviously the most ideal situation is the one right in front of them with the absolute stack shortstop class and you know obviously they just traded their shortstop away i think you know if they truly want to be back and be competitive by 2023 2024 whatever it is that you need to go out and sign one of these building block shortstops like a Carlos Correa or Corey Seager or Trevor Story, whoever it may be. Um, You know, they can go the Chris Bryant route. You know, they can maybe spend on an outfielder, maybe like a Nick Castellanos. Um, But I think the most logical place to go is just to grab one of those big shortstops. Sorry, is Bryant your – like your number one, is he the guy you have circled or do you have one? No, of the Carlos Correa is my okay. number one. But um, if they, Chris Bryant's my number one, if they don't spend on one of the big shortstops. So Makes I would sense. say like in terms of all the players, Chris Bryant's probably like my number four or five, but outside of shortstops, he's my number one. But yeah, they're all kind of like in that tier one. So like yeah, getting one of then, those guys is, is a good thing. Right, and then I would say also Nick Castellanos is a close second since he's going to opt out of his Agreed. contract. Yeah, he's yeah. a top of tier two. Monty, what do you think? Not Javi Baez, just to be clear on the big shorts <laughs> on the big shortstops. No. <laughs> yeah, notice that he did not name Javi Baez. Yeah, that, that's a, not uh, one Javi Baez. That's a thumbs agreed. down, thumbs yeah. down to Javi yeah. Baez. Um, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see because 
there it's going to be the first time in a long time that we're going to be kind of viewed as a rebuilding team so it'll be interesting to see who wants to come here um and and be part of this because it, we haven't had this since you know 2012 2011 um so it's going to be interesting to see how that works out because you know this isn't as as highly uh it's not a, 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 a yeah destination it's not a, yeah, yeah a destination yeah. like it has been so it'll be you interesting to see you know yeah because like yeah yeah like you said chris bryant would would be our number one if you know we don't get one of the big shortstops but if we don't get one of the big shortstops chris bryant's probably not going to be wanting to come here he's going to want to go somewhere and, and and compete but again it, money t- mo- yeah money talks mm-hmm. like nick said but we'll see because again it's also weird because some teams don't want to spend money yeah because we've then, seen yeah yeah i was going to say with bryant you have a little bit more connections to uh true DC, you know with davy yeah. and you know if they were to, I don't think it would happen, but like if they were to bring Schwarber back, for example, or, you know, just people he's familiar with, I think. Oh, Bryce make, Harper. <laughs> yeah. Playing in the same division as his best friend. <laughs> but like, I think there's some attractive pieces to Bryant there for DC that would maybe make him consider us. But, you know, like he said, these guys, unless you like just throw the bank at them, they're going to want to go to the most ideal winning situation. And the yeah. Nats are not that right And now. throwing throwing the bank at free agents is not a good idea. That's how you end up with someone like Jason Worth for seven years, $128 million. Well, that's kind of who I was going to bring up. Like, obviously, that did not turn out well in the latter half uh, of the contract at all. We've talked but about we won that. a World we Series. Don't, we, we don't have to dive in. <laughs> not we're, we're, not go, we're not going to dive down that road. But I bring it up because at that time, like Monty mentioned, we were not a, a highly regarded destination for free agents. And it took kind of like a, a eye-popping contract to get someone. And Jason Worth, to his credit, was like a highly touted free agent when he hit free agency. So it took a big contract for him to be like, all right, uh, I'm willing to set myself back in terms of team accomplishments for a while to help build something. And he did for a while. And then he ended up, hurting more than than he helped by the end of it um but it would take a a big kind of overpay for lack of a better word to get one of those free agents i mean juan soto is a great start but you don't you don't know how long you have him and it's kind of hard to to say hey sign a seven-year deal with us oh but we only have soto for three more years but don't worry about that like it it doesn't really work that way um ryan that's Go ahead, uh, I, was say, I was gonna say real quick the Nats were heavily in on a couple of free agents that never worked out uh in those couple of years. I know we were in on Mark Teixeira in 09 mm-hmm. before he went to the Yankees and we threw yeah. an absurd amount of money at him and he was like, No, thank you, which was a good decision because that 09 team was trash. And the then, Orioles um, were as well, for what yeah. it's worth. And then uh the following year after we got worth, we threw uh, a bunch of money at Prince Fielder. And that oh, worked right. out perfectly. That worked out perfectly because Adam LaRoche came back from an injury and was fantastic in 2012. I think mean, he hit 32 bombs. Yeah. Yeah. He did it to uh, Kenley Jansen, too. And then he took less. Aroldis Chapman. Aroldis Chapman. Yeah. There's a long running list. Yeah. Long list. Yeah. I mean, you could even go to our, our to our own guys like Jordan Zimmerman and Ian Desmond, which we talked about recently, too. <laughs> like, it worked out, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them all worked out, which hopefully doesn't deter the Nats too much from spending this upcoming offseason. But it's kind of a different situation with this upcoming class because these guys are all younger than those guys were at the time that they were. Um, hitting free agency. And I think these guys are probably more proven, at least some of them. Um, Ryan, I know Correa is probably your number one, but we, I know you also mentioned that the possibility of him 
reuniting with his former manager, AJ Hinch in Detroit, which I, I like that prediction. If, if that's what it was a lot, I think it makes a lot of sense. Should that happen? Should Correa kind of be off the table? What's your ideal situation? And if the Nets were some, somehow some way able to swing a deal for Correa, who would you want to s- surround him? Cause I know that can't, well, I know for a fact that can't be the only move to bring this team back to contention, but they would ha- definitely have to do more moves to surround him. So those two scenarios, w- what would you like to see happen? Yeah. Um. So in the scenario, they get Correa is what you're saying, right? Uh. Yeah. Th- so if they get Correa, what do you, what supplementary moves do you want to see happen? And if they don't get Correa, what do you want them to pivot to? So if they do get Correa, I think they can go around just with like, Again, the one-year deals. You can get someone like Marcana in left field, extend um, Josh Bell, and then have Carter Keeping at third, Luis Garcia at second. You have to figure out center field, but you need to get someone who's an elite defensive center fielder if you are moving on from Victor Robles, someone like Kevin Pillar, someone, well, Jackie Bradley Jr. is just trash. Um, great defender, <laughs> though. But someone like Pilar, someone who is a elite defender, because even they suck offensively, if you have an elite defensive center field, your outfield is going to be great statistically. If they don't get Correa, um, the very obvious move, well, it's not obvious, but what I would do would be sign Simeon. Um, I don't think Trevor Story is any good, and Corey Seager has way too many injury questions. Um, I would get someone like Simeon, put him at second in the offseason. I would switch Luis Garcia over to short. I think Garcia should be at short anyways. And then you can get someone like Conforto, and then maybe, well, I mean, Chris Bryant's a dream. It's not going to happen. But say to get Simeon, move him to second. I would like to see Garcia go to short, like I said. And then ride Michael Conforto, and then you can get Victor Robles to pair with someone else out there, Jackie Bradley Jr., even though I just shat on him. But someone like that as a combination wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And then just get, like, one veteran pitcher. Right. And for the record, Semyon has been playing second base for Toronto. So, like, typically he is a shortstop, but he signed a one-year deal with Toronto. They have Bo Bichette, Flo Bichette, and Semyon's been playing second base and having uh, fine offensive season hasn't impacted him so you know we talked about the other day if it wasn't for otani vlad might be the mvp but Semyon might also be the be the mvp with the year he's having and yeah he's he's been a top three mvp finisher uh i think it was 2019 where Mm -hmm. people are like oh this is an outlier we talked about having you know those outlier years some people have uh which does happen mainly more for cy young but it does happen and everyone thought that's what Semyon was he had kind of a down 2020 which uh, prevented him from getting the long-term deal he was seeking. He signs a one-year basically qualifying offer with Toronto and he's going to get paid and he deserves it too. Like he's proven himself as like a high level player, a little bit older. So he won't command the length that some of the other guys like Correa, like story are, are probably seeking and probably will command, but sending so, mean, a very viable backup option. But even if he was the primary option for the Nats. I wouldn't hate it provided they made uh, the correct moves to surround him. Uh, I like Ryan's blueprint. Uh, put Semyon at second, sh- uh, shift Garcia to short, see if he can't stick a permanently as, as a big league level shortstop. He he was a fine AAA shortstop, but playing big league shortstops a little bit of a different animal. So, you know, you get him uh, an opportunity to 
prove himself there. And you pair him up the middle with a vet like Simeon, who's been there, done that, and can kind of be a mentor for Garcia up the middle. I think that's that's a fine move. And you need to bolster your outfield. Obviously, I don't think that's like a, a, a crazy take. Like you have Soto, obviously, he's uh, proven himself as, uh, I think, at worst, average level defender. Like he, he's actually sneaky good defensively. Um, agreed with Ryan again. Like if you move on from Mobilis, you do need someone to kind of uh, compensate, so to speak, and cover more ground than your average center fielder would, like more than Lane Thomas would, even though Lane like, Thomas has been fine defensively. Like but, gold glove, like a uh, gold glove caliber Michael A. Taylor. Like you, you, I get annoyed when people interrupt me because I have to deal with that enough. But you, you, you interrupting me to bring up Michael A. Taylor is like, uh, you know, we're about to suspend you from the pod and you're going to have to create like 10 aliases before you get back on. Or one really good one that you don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you have to bolster your your, uh, outfield if that's not your primary guy. Like if it's not a Cassianos, if it's not a Chris Bryant who can play third or does play third, but can play outfield as well. Like you do need to make those moves to bolster it. Similar to a Kyle Schorber, Ryan mentioned Michael Conforto, uh, Matt put out a Michael Conforto article. I think that's like a very uh, possible scenario because Conforto is going to be uh, a candidate for a prove it deal to try to boost his value back up heading into 2023 free agency. Um, so he's going to be on a prove it deal. And obviously if, the Mets move on from him. He's going to want uh, a shot at revenge too. So going in division and playing the Mets 19 times a year, 19 times a year would be a bonus to that. Uh, so nobody mentioned pitching Ryan said a veteran pitcher, which I, I agree. Um, but do you see a scenario where the Nats prefer to spend on a pitcher, not to the level like Strasburg and Corbin, but do you see a scenario where they prefer to add uh, like Kevin Gossman's kind of like a, a, a weird situation because he's having an elite year this year, but this is really his one elite year. Like he had a good year last year, but it was 2020 and shortened season. Everyone knows that he had an elite year this year, but like what's his contract going to look like? And are the Nats going to be compelled to make that move because they spend on pitching and pitching seems to be the safer investment for the most part. Uh, than position players and there's that track record of the Nats tend to invest in pitching but not positionally like do you see that as a possible scenario for them so be a terrible scenario go ahead Tyler yeah okay so I was just gonna say I really hope they don't invest more big money into a pitcher this offseason I think they really need to splurge on a bat but if they're gonna sign like a pitcher to a decently big contract I would go with Marcus Stroman and I don't think Marcus Stroman is going to get more than like a three-year deal. And I think that would be like kind of the perfect scenario for uh, the Nats to jump on. Not a huge uh, long-term deal, like a six or seven-year deal. But like, I think if they really wanted to get a starting pitcher that bad of good quality and not just like a one-year uh, veteran innings eater kind of guy, I would think, you know, Marcus Stroman or someone else that would command like a two to three year deal would be the way to go. But I really think they should spend that money on a bat or multiple. Yeah, I can see Stroman somewhere in like the three years, 45 to 50 million range. That seems about right. about right and about his asking price. Um, I agree. Like, I, I just brought that up for the sake of conversation. I don't think they can really afford to uh, spend big on a free 
agent pitcher again because of the two seemingly albatross contracts they already have uh, amongst their pitchers there if they're going to be competitive soon they need those um like those hits on the flyers for pitchers similar to like what we're seeing with uh anthony Descalfani and carlos rodon like it's harder to do obviously you need to basically get lucky to an extent in order to do that but that's kind of the way the nets would turn around their their rotation because they can't necessarily afford to spend big and if they do spend big and they are willing to it has to be on position player like we've had so many offensive issues this year that you you really need to and yeah we're having bullpen and pitching problems now but that's just kind of the state of the uh, adjustment period after the deadline that you knew you were going to face by trading away all those guys and having guys that have had little to no major league experience, like just thrown into the fire mid season. So it's, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, but just to put my name on it. Yeah. I, I think Car- Correa is my number one. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Correa yeah. is going to go. Uh, not that the Nats are like trending down. I think the Nats are kind of like neutral right now. Uh, because they do have Juan Soto, who's one of the best players in the game, and they do have some promise, and uh, they just won the World Series a couple of years ago. Granted, it's a, a new-look team, but I think they're neutral right now, whereas a place like the Tigers, like Ryan mentioned, they're up and coming. like They're doing well, and Correa can just be like riding that wave, so to speak, but be that missing piece or be a part of the, the, the final piece of the puzzle, whatever analogy you want to make. So I, I do think uh, that's... Uh, where he's going to go, but I think Semyon uh, would be more likely to kind of try to fit in somewhere where he can stick around for a couple of years and get that security both financially and time-wise for him. So uh, Semyon's my pick and then surround him with flyers. It sets you up well. It gives you another building block, at least for the next couple of years. But also if you suck again at the deadline, you can flip those one-year deals like we did this year and you're set up even better than you were for 2023. But just curious, um, what are your percentage chances on a Max Scherzer reunion? 30%. That'd be 0%, but not your desire. Not your desire. I would say, yeah. What are the odds? I'd say 30%, kind of combining knowing the Nats and the realistic chance that it happens. Like, I know the Nats would probably make a good effort if Max shows interest in coming back. Mm-hmm. they would be the absolute first player they would pay over any of the other free agents on the market. I mean, and you just know it, but I don't think Max is going to want to come back. I think he's going to want to round out his career winning, whether it's with the Dodgers or with another contender. I agree. I put at like 25%, probably a little less mainly because the NLS is all rather pitcher friendly parks and Max is going to, want to keep pointing and continue adding to his numbers. And if he could stay on a great team and pitch and pitcher friendly parks, it's a win-win for him. So I think he's staying out West. Yeah. I think he does stay with the Dodgers because the Dodgers are obviously willing to pay and they can afford a bad contract. If that's what it turns into, it doesn't seem like that would be the case with Max Scherzer, but should it happen, the Dodgers can survive that. And not many teams could, I mean, we just talked about that with the Nets, but Monty, what do you think about the possibility of a Max Scherzer reunion? Please don't suspend me from the pod. I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm with everybody here. I don't think it's going to, he's way too, he's too much of a competitive psycho 
like to do anything but go somewhere where he's got a chance to win because I'm sure nothing frustrated him more this season than than not getting wins um because he's a crazy person and I love it um mm-hmm. but uh yeah he's gonna want to win he's gonna want to win as much as he can he doesn't want to waste time um what little time he has left not competing for a championship but knowing him he probably has like seven years left it's probably not a little time it's possible yeah but yeah yeah he's somebody who's gonna have a tough time with retirement (laughs) yeah uh man max scherzer what a guy um but yeah i I think that's probably the uh like the general nostalgic desire is to reunite with Max Scherzer, but I, I don't think it, it's smart at all. I, we, we just talked about how the Nats can't afford another big money contract for a pitcher. Granted, like I said, I don't think Max Scherzer would be a liability like some of these other pitching contracts, but the Nats need to spend elsewhere if they are going to spend. Monty, what are you going to say? I was going to say, I'm surprised you didn't mention a certain other pitcher uh, possibility. Who did I miss? I was going to bring up Robbie Ray. Justin Verlander. So that was, I think that was definitely in the cards. Should the Nats have like stayed put at the deadline? Like if they were still intact and still had this delusion of competing, I think Verlander definitely would have been in the cards should Max Scherzer go elsewhere. But now that it's turned into what it is and we're younger and we have more to more ground to gain before we're competitive again, I don't think someone like Verlander is in the cards. And I also think for Verlander, he's going to want to be in the same situation as Max, where he's going to want to try to win right away again. And he can't necessarily wait a couple years, which is the best case scenario for what the Nats are trying to do. Yeah. I thought you might just bring him up to troll me and he, you know, so I was surprised and then I brought him up. So I have a cell phone. I'm a good friend. Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, I do want to bring up Robbie Ray because that, that does seem like a candidate. We've talked about him potentially being a, a dark horse candidate for Cy Young and he's an impending free agent. So maybe he gets a, a reasonable deal. And he was with the Nats way back when, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Didn't Robbie Ray sign like a year extension with the Blue Jays? I thought, I, well, Spot, on that Spot Track has him uh, as a free agent. I mean, I assume they would update it regularly. Or that might've been for this year. Uh, yeah, because Charlie Morton there. just signed an extension. I yeah, don't know if that's yeah, what yeah. you're thinking of. No, no, no. I was thinking, I think Robbie Ray did sign an extension, but I think it was for this year. Gotcha. I think, yeah. I don't know why I was thinking for this upcoming offseason. My bad. No, you're good. Um, I'm looking at the, God, I'm looking at the uh, Freed and center fielders. There's not many of them. I like, I guess they could go at Pilar if they move on from Robles, but it seems like it's going to be Robles or Thomas next year from what I can tell unless I mean we have to talk about it like Monty said unless they want to do a Michael A. Taylor reunion which is a possibility yeah yeah he's he's essentially what Robles enough like with center fielders that can't hit yeah yeah I'd rather well I was gonna say I'd rather offensive than defense in center field but no I, that's not true yeah all right well that that pretty much wraps the conversations uh you know we we wanted to have tonight we touched on a lot of stuff but before we go we got to wrap with our one big thing uh tyler you got anything you want to talk about before we head out um you know 
I would say just enjoy the rest of the baseball season while you got it. You know, it's ending here in a little bit less than a month. Um, you know, obviously wins and losses don't matter for the Nats. I just enjoy watching the young guys perform. I saw Luis Garcia just hit an RBI double to extend the lead to four and two. He's been looking pretty good the last couple of games. So just like seeing the growth from the young guys and yeah, embrace the tank, but uh, make sure the individual performances are there. Yeah. It's weird focusing on only individual performances, but I know <laughs> that, that that's literally what, what has come down to Monty. You got anything? Yeah. Uh, just uh, with, got enjoy the playoff races uh the al east is getting a little uh little crazy um the yankees are down five three to the to the blue jays right now and that will put if that result holds that'll put them within one game one and a half games of the uh yankees for the wild card uh so enjoy some of the playoff races if you need to take a step away from what the Nats are doing and want to watch some competitive baseball. We're putting out all sorts of content on the website from, you know, that's just not just Nat centric. So if you're looking for something to watch, we've got previews um, twice a week, you know, for each series um, and especially the big ones. Uh, so we'll have another one coming out on Friday, highlighting the four big series that are going to be playing this weekend. Um, so check it out. Yeah, and Garrett Cole also uh, exited his start early yesterday. So uh, if he's down for any extended period of time, that extremely hinders the Yankees' chances because they already lost uh, Jonathan Lewis Lasagna. I don't know how you see his last yeah. name. So th- that people don't know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, Nestor Cortez is probably their uh, <laughs> their ace at the moment. Um, Ryan, you got anything else before we go? Absolutely nothing. Let's ride September baseball. It's here. Enjoy it. Let's run this weekend. Um, busy. Um, all right. So that, anyways, um, moving on. <laughs> that that does it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Amanda will be back next episode. So if you missed her, she will uh, grace your ears soon. Um, but until then, like Monty said, check out the website. A lot of great content coming out. We're our, we're on a hot streak. Uh, we're not going to talk about it too much because we're not going to jinx it. But we're on a hot streak. We've been posting a lot of content, so definitely go check that out. Um, and like you said, there there's more stuff than just Nat stuff, but there also is Nat stuff too. So definitely plenty to digest and enjoy there. Follow us on Twitter. Follow the main account at Half Street High Heat. Tyler at Non Roster Invite. Monty at On the Pod seven times. I presume it's going to be here momentarily. And Ryan uh, at We Are All Shack and myself, if you want at Nationals Ace. Definitely appreciate it. Thank you guys for joining. Uh, we'll have to have you on. Maybe we'll kick Amanda off before the season ends one more time and have you. Guys I was just on. gonna. I was gonna just keep coming on. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> that's what nope. we all want. <laughs> just lurk in the background. Yeah, yeah. A loose follow, maybe. So I am being suspended. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate you joining. Until next time, let's go Nats. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls all at the commentator who has the causes past the wall to see you later. Let's go.
By the early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. Let's go. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.